Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 13, Episode 1, Science Fair Volcano. The book, Mall Lockdown, by Joe Schreiber. The year, 2014. Chapters 1 through 4, with your hosts, Jeff and John. Let's sausage! I, I mean, let's go. everybody, welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars novel discussion podcast. I am, am Jeff, as always, joined by John. John, how are you? Oh, you know, a little sick, but I'm all right. Are you getting better? I knew you were sick over the weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's just a little nasal thing, a little bit of a tickle, but, uh... Okay. You know, I'm feeling better. Yeah. I'm still gonna go nothing- get tested for COVID anyway, because... Fucking anything that happens where you feel remotely sick, you're like, well, might as well. Yeah, that's true. You got it. You got a point there. Recently, I've started to get inundated by emails from like UCSD, a, the, a, a, a local hospital run by a local college, uh, about my place in line for COVID vaccines. Hmm. And they're not even my primary care like facilitator or anything. They're just I have a ref- I had a referral there recently. So they just wanted to let me know. Now, so far, I've received five emails that tell me that I'm not on the list, and they don't know when or if I ever will be. Oh, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> I think I've gotten at least one that was like, hey, uh, we're giving it out to people who need it and people who are old, and you aren't. So fucking, I guess, chill? <laughs> no, really, most of the content of the the uh, emails I've been getting has been, don't call us. Hola. So I'm just getting this vast array of emails from people I wasn't going to call anyway, begging me not to call them. Good. Oh, it's the best. It's the very best. Speaking of the very best, it's time to dive back into a uh, uh, or into a book by an author we've met before, and we haven't done that very often. No, we have not. Joe Schreiber, you may remember as the author of the zombie Star Wars book that we recent that we read a, a few episodes back. Yeah, the old Red Harvest. Yeah, Red Harvest, the one about a Sith Academy where zombies got up in there and it was all kinds of brutal and nasty. This book, this small lockdown book, is so close to more of the same, despite the fact that it takes place hundreds of years later, has no zombies in it as far as I can tell, and has nothing to do with that book. But this guy's writing style is very distinct. Well, I think you go to Joe if you're like, what we want is... A bit of the ultraviolence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just want you to describe cool fights for a whole book. Can you do that? Just every chapter has a cool fight, or at the very least, someone looks like a badass. Oh, yeah. The whole thing is going to be like, so how does Maul dismantle a motherfucker this time? Now, I have to assume that this is slightly pre-prequels in terms of when it comes out. Uh, yes, Because Maul's got his legs. Yep. So we're we're pretty sure this takes place before Phantom Menace, before he finally says the titular line, I am the Phantom Menace. <laughs> yes, obviously. Yeah. As everyone knows, every one of the Star Wars movies has someone say the title of the movie in it at some point. Yes. Uh, you have, wow, you're, you're right, Leia, The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> oh, for, man. For example. I sure am yeah. tired of all these Star Wars. <laughs> 
Well, the funniest one, obviously, is New Hope, because the movie wasn't called New Hope when it came out. It was just called Star Wars. And then they added that New Hope Episode 4 stuff in later releases of the film. Yep. So it, it took a long time, but eventually it did, in fact, receive a titular line spoken throughout the movie when they added the special editions. Uh, there is a scene where Han runs into Jabba near the Falcon hangar, and Jabba immediately says, Han, new Hopi! And that's uh, that that's how they got it in there. Good job. Mm-hmm. So, so that's uh, it's in every one of them. And anyway, that's enough of other people's jokes, although the, the Han New Hopi thing was mine, so fuck you if you don't think it was funny. Especially you, John. I don't think it was funny. <laughs> fuck me, right? Indeed, fuck you. <laughs> uh, so this is a Darth Maul book, which uh, people have been asking us to do a book from the prequel era for a while, and this is close enough, I think. Yeah, I mean, as far as I can tell, we've got still Sidious instead of just the Emperor... Uh, mm -hmm. obviously Darth Maul still has his legs. Uh, there's no good yeah. way to gauge exactly when, but you know. Well, based on what little we know about Schreiber, the other thing that makes this book similar to his, the, the book that we've read previously, uh, is that we don't really get a sense of the outside world. He does tend to like to write books where, you know, everyone gets locked into a facility and we're just going to stay in there and you don't have to worry about what's going on. We don't need to talk about what Anakin's doing. He's being a two-year-old. Hmm. I mean, I honestly, I love that shit because I, yeah. I, I liked it in Red Harvest. I feel like even after these first four chapters, I'm going to like it in here where they're like, here's a story we're telling. We don't need to follow, like five other characters that I don't give a shit about. We don't mm -hmm. need to, you know, jump to various planets or different people that we've seen in other books just to be cute. It's like, no, man, mm -hmm. Maul's in a prison and he's going to fuck around in a prison. That's the book. Yeah. I mean, it's it's similar, again, to Red Harvest in that, yeah, it's a it's a story about Maul fucking around in a prison, but it, it, it doesn't, you know, oh, what's going on with Luke and Leia? Where's where's Lando at this time? Maybe we should check in with him. Ooh, he's in a trade dispute? That might be interesting for a couple of pages. But instead, we do get new characters that get their own chapters instead. Yeah. There's, so uh, you know, a little plot going on in addition to just mm -hmm. Darth Maul being Darth Maul and angry. And we even get a couple of, uh, uh, we have a chapter right away uh, where we meet some other people, and we even get a Dramatis Personae at the start of the book to help us keep it in our heads who everybody is and how they work. Mm. Almost as if you wanted this thing to be a play. Almost. So, so obviously we've got, uh, interesting, there's a lot of giveaways in the Dramatis Personae. I'm very curious as to what Darth Plagueis is doing here. Oh, uh, well, I would tell you. <laughs> Well, I haven't heard the story, John. Oh well, that's funny. Also, Jabba is in the uh, in the Dramatis Personae, so I assume at some point the fact that this is a story about prison fight betting is going to eventually roll around to include Jabba. Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah. So we open mid fight. That's the where the, the chapter one of this book is already in the middle of a nasty fight. Yep, we start out immediately with Darth Maul getting punched in the face. Mm hmm. And the book carefully elides telling us exactly what it is that Darth Maul's fighting, but it does go into great deals of description as to what it looks like. It's a, a two meter tall, muscly, ugly thing with a weird sloped inward face, uh, completely covered in scars, one arm way bigger than the other one. 
Yeah, it's basically got one big meaty punch arm and then one little stabby arm. Yeah, one little stabby claw arm. It's uh, It doesn't speak any language anyone else knows. It's completely covered in scars and piercings. Its teeth clearly are other creatures' teeth. A lot of weird teeth. I mean, at this point, after he punches uh, Darth Maul, Maul loses a tooth and he picks the tooth out and just... You know, this weird monster thing is like, ah, yes, time to put a new tooth in. Yeah, so he steals, because the first punch, the, the punch that starts the book, knocks one of Maul's teeth out, it falls to the ground, and this monster's just like, hell yeah, spare teeth. That's my thing, bro. I love teeth. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm way into teeth. Uh, but ultimately, I, I think it's fairly obviously obvious to those of us who are astute readers of endless Star Wars books what this fucking thing is. Uh, is it? Yeah. No, this is a uh, Yuzhan Vong. He's beating up a Yuzhan Vong. Are you or being sure? Up by. Yeah, absolutely sure. Two meters tall, ritually scarred. One arm's bigger than the other. It's just one of its stupid bio tools. It even pulls out an amphistaff halfway through the fight. It is a Yuzhan Vong. Oh, well, all right. I mean, it shouldn't be here because the Yuzhan Vong don't invade for another 35 years. But at the at the earliest, because we don't know when this takes place, but presumably they sent a couple other scouts into the galaxy that got mistakenly captured or something. I guess. But I mean, this thing's speaking entirely in its its Yuzhan Vong language, and it's a just a big, mean, fighty piece of shit. But between the scars and the amphistaff, I think it's safe to say. Okay. I mean, anyway. now that you say the amphistaff thing, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. That was a thing that the Yuzhan Vong had. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, basically, there's a point in the fight. The fight's just going to go back and forth with the two of them landing brutal, crushy hits on each other over and over again. And eventually, it's going to look like Maul is winning because he manages to put this thing onto the ground and it's kind of not moving and staying still there. But then all of a sudden, it pulls a staff off its back, which wasn't even there because it's a coiled up thing. But he flips the coil of it out and it extends and sticks into a staff and it's got a snake head. Yeah. Maul, God bless it. This fight, this fight's so fucking over the top. This is like some exalted shit. Oh, yeah. Well, I love that we establish right away uh, Maul is not allowed to use the force here. Mm -hmm. So he's like, all right, I got to win this fight against this crazy murder monster. Can't use the force. Can't use a lightsaber or anything. Just got to be me. Mm hmm. But after he gets hit the first time, he's like, ooh, yeah, baby, let's fucking do this. Yeah, because he's like, oh, shit, I got hit. Now I can be mad. Mad is power. Because, you know, he's a Sith guy, so he's all like, plus, he's not just a regular Sith guy. Maul is very orthodox. Oh, he, yeah. He, he's a he's a true believer in Sith business. He's not like your, uh, your Darth Tyrannus and Darth Sidious and so on, where, yeah, they're technically Sith, but... Boy, do they ever ever have a lot of political and personal aspirations. Yeah, no. Maul's just Maul like, what I want to do is murder. It's fun yeah. for the whole family. I want to get real mad and murder shit. And maybe someday, six or seven movies from now, I'll have some interest in like any kind of stakes for myself. But for now, I want to fuck shit up. And fuck shit up he does indeed. Yeah, so he takes a hit from the Amphistaff. Basically, the... the uh, <laughs> this big monster swings a snake stick at him, and right as he goes to block it, the snake stick goes loose again and swings around to bite him, and does get him once, but... Uh, well, I but mean, he before that even fucking happens, 
he rips this dude's throat open. Yes, yeah, he's already he's already got the uh, the the Yuzhan Vong monster more or less dying. He manages to get its throat loose and tore, tear it off. Everything he does feels like it would take too long in a regular fight, but it is so brutal. Oh yeah, he's like, oh, I'm just gonna run at this guy, and because he's a badass, he's gonna be like, cool, let's do this. And then he just yeah. does the standard Jedi flippy flip where mm-hmm. he flips over him, lands on his back and just digs both of his hands into the dude's neck and is like, and it is time to open it up. Yeah. But of course, since I think it's pretty safe to say this thing's a Yuzhan Vong, it doesn't just die right away. It's got lots of time left to keep fighting. Oh yeah. It's like, well, fuck you then. Here's a goddamn snake. Yeah. Swings an amphistaff at him, which Maul responds to. He takes a hit from it, sure, but then he gets it to coil around his arm, and or it's, it's around his neck, but he puffs his neck out so that when when, uh, when the snake starts to tighten, he just loses his neck, reaches down, and bites the snake's head off. Yep. Or actually, wait, he doesn't bite it off. He grabs it and twists it off. That's yeah, what happens. He just rips the snake's head goddamn clear off, and... Mm-hmm. This isn't enough. You know, he's not going to no, go like our previous so book where it's like, oh, yeah, I got a snake thing. I'm going to have it attack another guy. Oh, no. I'll, I'll never know when you might need a snake. He like heads over to this dude, opens the guy's mouth, shoves the still biting snake head into his mouth, closes it and uses the weird like ritualistic piercings and whatnot to then sew the mouth closed. (laughs) Yeah, it's the kind of shit that feels like it would take too long in a fight. But I guess this guy is starting to die because his throat got torn out a minute ago. Um, And Maul's pretty (laughs) fucked up as well because he got all kinds of poison by that snake biting him in the face. Yeah, so he's starting to fade as well, but he has this last moment of crowning ultimate glory or whatever the fuck the TV trope is, and (laughs) uses this thing's like eyebrow piercings and shit to staple its mouth shut with a spasming poison snake head in it. Yep, you know, because just ripping a dude's throat open, not quite enough. You gotta Mm -hmm. do this. Yeah, this is setting the tone for the book. It's just going to be everything is a couple steps too far. Honestly, I was kind of hoping that the fight wouldn't end there and that the uh, the Yuzhan Vong would just swallow the snakehead. They would fall out his throat hole. Well, I... He'd be like, oh, fuck you. Let's keep going. What do you? What else you got? Uh, but, no, but no, he collapses. Yeah, our good friend, the Yuzhan Vong, does go down. And that is when we learn that this is no ordinary prison. It is... No. Fully modular for basically everything. Mm-hmm. Basically, so, what happens is the whole the whole place is made of rooms that can turn into other rooms, and and so the the floor starts to turn into a a, a funnel, and the ceiling starts to turn into a dome. And uh, as Maul watches, because the uh, the Yuzhan Vong monster is all bloody and dead, it just slides down the floor on a trail of its own blood and disappears into a hole in the floor. Yeah, now he gets a glimpse of something down there that's probably eating whatever dead people get dumped after they lose, but uh, we don't know what that is just yet, but I have to imagine whatever monster is down there is gonna have to come back and play some part in this. Oh, obviously it's the zombie monster from uh, Red Harvest. Lol. They just keep it down there and feed it dead people. Ah. Nah. In any event... 
Nothing really. There's no like congratulations, you win or anything like that. A door opens up and he goes into it. Yeah, it's just the whole prison is pretty much just made of sliding plates. So they're like, mm-hmm. all right, uh, plate slide. Dude who is dead falls down because you are alive. You can hold on to like there's a bench in the room and you can hold on to a little like handle that's on there so you don't fall down yourself. And then mm-hmm. it recloses, rooms move around, and he's like, all right, well, that was neat. Yeah, he pretty much gets into a fight in, like, his own cell is what, it, just because the whole place is fully, any room could be made to morph into any other room at any time. They can smash two rooms together or split them up. Uh, so when the fight's over, the floor closes up again, the room turns back into a cell, and then he can tell, because some lights turn on, and he can feel the movement, that his cell is moving around inside of some kind of huge building. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is, if you've seen Cube, it's very mm-hmm. Cube. It's very cube You're right. It's it's a little cube. More than a little cube. More than a little cube. A little too cube. <laughs> little deuce cube. <laughs> anyway, that's enough Darth Maul for at least one chapter. Now it's time to check in on the warden of the super prison. Uh, man... I mean, as much as I love a good, like, badass warden who doesn't give a shit about anything, this entire chapter was almost entirely now just the warden telling us the exact same shit from the first chapter, just in their own words. Yeah, because she's just watching the fight on a monitor, so she's just like, oh, look at that. He managed to sew that thing's mouth shut with its own earrings and shit. Oh, wow, man, a snake that mo- guy a took his stab. tooth. <laughs> Oh, he got his tooth back. I forgot, we got to mention that during the first chapter. Uh, before the monster manages to slide down into the death slide, Maul gets his tooth out of its head and shoves it back into his own head. Like, I don't know what he's planning to do with that. Hey, we don't know how Zabrak work. Maybe they can put their teeth back in. I don't know. Maybe. Mm-hmm. If not, maybe he's just going to give it to, like, the doctor of the, the super prison and be like, hey, you know, reinstall this in my head. Law. There was a guy on my water polo team who had a loose tooth that kept getting knocked out back when I was in high school. I watched him lose the same tooth four times, and after the game, we'd have to dive and find his tooth. Wow. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what happened with it exactly, but it was back in by the next time I saw him, usually, so he probably had emergency dentist appointments. I always figured they were wiring it to the next tooth over, but maybe it was always a fake tooth and it had one of those, like, like drill bit things. I never found the fucking thing. I was... Not especially excited to look for it. Ah, that's weird. So. You seem like the kind of person that would be like, oh, sweet, I'm going to go find a tooth. I don't want to get some other guy's tooth. That's his ah. tooth. Put it in his own goddamn mouth. I would have been. I would have been like, sweet, let's go get a tooth. I never even liked that guy very much. He was good at water polo. Don't get me wrong. But uh, but boy, oh boy, did he ever suffer for his art. Because he lost that tooth four times. And one time I, lo- I watched him lose an earlobe. <laughs> Woof. Water polo is a fucked up sport. I don't I don't want to sugarcoat that for people who have kids who are thinking about going into it. It's uh it's apparently very brutal. It is exceptionally it looks like it shouldn't be because the only art padding you get to wear is little ear covers. And other than that, you're in a speedo in the water and you think, okay, it's probably safe. No, people will go for your dick hair. Ah. People will take chunks off you and leave marks on you. It is a brutal fucking sport. Yeah, Turns out you that think refs can't see everyone... under the water. You think everyone would be too busy, like, 
treading water and trying to get a ball into a goal. But nope, underwater, everyone's just beating the shit out of each other. Hey, only one person can have that ball at any given time. That leaves, uh, shoot, that leaves 11 other people on the field to beat the fuck out of each other. And two goalies, I assume, to punch themselves. Oh, yeah, obviously. Just punching themselves in the dick the whole game. Yeah, they, otherwise, are they even playing water polo? Right? <laughs> Got that damn sport. Anyway, uh, enough of my own super prison experience. It's time to meet, what was her name? Sadiki? Sadiki. Warden's Sadiki Blear or Blur. And this is where we find out, because we just sort of come in in media res to a fight that Maul murders a guy in. Now we mm -hmm. get to find out, oh, this is basically a prison where you put people to die because they are going to fight for gambling. Yes. No, it's it's a gladiatorial prison. There's not really a release system or anything like that in place. They fight till they're dead. Yep. And I assume some of them don't fight at all. Like, maybe some of them just go in there to die. Like, you, don't, you aren't going to bother putting together fights for people who aren't worth betting on. I mean, at that point, you got to go, all right, well, you want good fights. So you're mostly going to set up fights between, you know, inmates that seem like they can kick a lot of ass. Mm -hmm. And if you've got someone that sucks... At that point, like, well, what are you going to do? Pit him against someone else that sucks? Just have a slap fight? Or I assume that they were savvy enough to know that every prison needs to have sort of an ecosystem of types of prisoners. And by this, of course, I mean every fake prison where combat happens. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to get into what real prisons are like because it's god-awful and worse. But, but uh, here, obviously, you're going to need some prisoners that are like, you know, stoolies and rats and fixers and guys who can get you things and... People who will stand behind you to make your gang look more relevant. Uh. You, you just need a bunch of spare prison guys. And obviously they're not all going to fight because fights wouldn't be very good. Oh, yeah. Because you got to have that one guy that's just like real book smart and is just yeah. like, I want to read my books. I don't like prison. And he's there to be like, oh, you need something fixed. Well, I know how to do that. Well, there, son, I've been here in prison for 35 years, and I'm here to impart simple prison wisdom. Ah, prison wisdom. Are you, are you going to get in death fights? Oh, no. No, we only said it people who were worth fighting for that. It's weird, because so, you would think they would only take badass fighters at the prison. Like, if someone's like, hey, can we put this little wiry chumpo in here that sucks? And you'd be like, no, I don't want your tax evasion guy. Yeah, but like I said, it's a savvy thing. Obviously, these professional trained killers are going to need people to kill in their spare time, you know, just to keep their dander up. Uh. And and also, you know, they'll need people to, like, sit in the cafeteria and make it look crowded so that the trained murderers don't always just kill each other. Lol. So I think it makes some sense that they have to have some regular type prison guys in here. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we, meet, we, also... we meet uh Well, I was going to say, we Sorry. also find out that... Uh... Maul is undercover. Yes, yeah. Mar Maul is... go. It, it, they actually have his real name in here. Uh, the, the, like, she looks at his record, and it's got his real name, which is Jagannath. Uh, yeah, but... don't come in here, Mom! I'm Jagannath! <laughs> uh, but... <laughs> oh, God, I hope that's his real name. Now I'm not actually sure. I, I don't thought know. it was. Yeah. All I know anyway, is they don't have, like, Darth Maul... Sith apprentice in here. It's just like, ah, there's some Zabrak named Jagannath who is a mercenary charged with murder. Yeah. 
Yeah, I I, uh, I don't have a good answer for – yeah, they don't really know who he is. They just know that he's a really big deal fighter, and and uh, Siddiqui, the warden, is enjoying watching his fight. Well, yeah, because the – probably Yuzhan Vong that he went up against was a favorite to win because he had just won his past, like, four fights in a row. Uh, everyone mm-hmm. who had watched him fight was like, this guy is an ultra badass – and so the fact that some wiry little Zabrak showed up and absolutely fucking clowned on this fool has ruffled some feathers in the gambling community. Yeah, and she's already not wanting to hear about that or talk about it. Um, so, oh God, I just realized what I knew the word Jagannath from, and now I'm pissed off. Oh. <laughs> uh, in... Okay, so a long fucking time ago, I read the the uh, the the bounty hunter book. Like you never know, read the Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina. There's the Tales of the Bounty Hunters, which is a series of stories about the bounty hunters on the deck of that that Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Jagannath is the points. That's the individual unit of points in the Trandoshan religion. Huh. So, for example, so when uh, when Bosk is out hunting, he's trying to earn Jagannath points. Law. Yeah, so that's that's why it was already sticking in my head. It's not Maul's real name. So and she's already Jagannath aware that there's a deity gonna... worshipped in regional traditions of Hinduism. <laughs> also good to know. Okay. Um, but yeah, anyway, to get back to it, she is already aware that these people are going to come calling and yell at her because they probably lost a lot of money on a sure bet. Um, and so she's avoiding the phone. And she has a droid. Her droid's name is, I think it's 3D4, suggesting that this Joe Schreiber guy might play some kind of games. Um, this but... Joe Schreiber guy? This Joe Schreiber fella might understand a little bit about the gamesmanship of the role-playing variety. Oh. He named a droid 3D4. He could have named it 3D4 plus one or like 46 drop low. That'd be really fun. Well. Uh, but she's have she's just like, I don't want to take any phone calls. Thank you for the messages. Let me just watch the fight from yesterday. Yeah, because, you know, obviously a bunch of people are pissed off. But turns out you can't quite get rid of uh everybody by just not answering the phone because uh she has a hollow vid that comes through oh from right from dragomir dragomir Chloris. yeah dragomir. i don't know What's why he name? sounds like a dracula in my head <laughs> because his name is dragomir dragomir i mean that's Burn that's a very witches <laughs> That's a that's a very Russian or at least like Western Russian type of name. Dragomir Kloris. Yeah, exactly. Now he's not a big Russian dude or anything like that. He's a, a moon or a moon or whatever you want to say. Moon. Uh I don't remember if you're familiar with Moons. Nope. Okay, so Moons are a, a a prequel era species. Uh they're you don't really see that much of them in the movies. I'm pretty sure there's one flanking Sidious in the uh in the Senate, and some of them show up in that scene on Geonosis where all like the various bad guy groups get together to discuss their plans. Hmm. They're basically tall, skinny, gray or yellow-skinned guys who kind of look like they have Easter Island statues for heads. Yeah, they got some dildo head going on. Yeah, you're looking at them now, right? Yeah. Yeah, they got fireplug heads. There's not much to them. They are really pretty... They're banking clan masters or whatever, so they're very financially motivated, every fucking one of them. Um... And in this guy's case, or in every, they look like very CGI. They look, they look very prequel era. Like we just took a guy and stretched him kind of and made his skin gray. Full stop. Fuck it. Whatever. 
Yeah, this guy's got a tall head. Yeah. Not a tall enough head to get a license to fuck, but still a pretty tall head. Pretty tall head. You gotta have your head's gotta be this conic- conical to get a license to fuck. Aw. Uh. And he's mad. This dude's in charge of, like, a, a bank or a gambling commission. I think he's in charge of the, specifically the Galactic Gaming Commission. Yeah, and he's, I guess, going to try and insinuate that uh, Siddiqui has been fixing fights somehow. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. he's like, well, you know, this was supposed to be sort of a sure thing, and you put out these... Uh, numbers that everyone said was going to be going one way, and they didn't. And we've noticed a trend where, you know, occasionally you'll put out these numbers and then they won't go the way that you think they should. <laughs> and, and to her credit, she's like, yeah, that's what statistics are. Yeah, yeah that's why it's gambling and not just investing. <laughs> if you want a safe and measured investment, I have Lando's phone number. Ah. You want it's to good invest for at least in 10 years or until an empire attack. But yeah, he's basically like, I think you might be gaming the system. And she's like, it's an algorithm. We use an algorithm to determine the odds for the fights. That giant fucking And you can literally monster, look it up. Yeah. That giant weird monster had won the previous six fights. So the algorithm was favoring it pretty heavily. Yeah. We didn't have any information on this guy. Just some kind of you know, muscly Zabrak dude should put up a decent fight, probably not going to win. Yeah, so uh, so we were thinking he was just more grist for the killing mill for our current champion, who, how were we supposed to know he was going to do a huge upset and murder the guy? <laughs> That's why it's called an upset. Yeah, but this dude's just like, I don't know, it seems like because I didn't win, I got cheated. Yeah. I mean, the fact that she's even like, yeah, you can go on our, like, gambling site, see the full algorithm, see why it picks the numbers that it does, and mm-hmm. know exactly the stats for, like, every fighter, the strengths and weaknesses, like, nothing that we do to determine the actual odds that we bet is hidden. You can see it all, my dude. I mean, I guess I could kind of see one part of his point. He presents his argument in the dumbest possible way, which is basically just like, I think you're cheating, and I think that was a ringer, when really it should have been, how come you threw a completely 100% unknown factory in against the champ, as opposed to having Maul fight some other random newbie and have him earn his way up the ranks? Yeah, just be like, all right, uh, we don't know what this guy's capable of. We'll put him up against some other guy that's just sort of a little beefy, but we don't know what they can do. All right, let's see what your fighting style's like. Because I get this. This is basically like betting on the local, or, or uh, this is like him being mad because he bet on Hogan against, like, the local talent when they were touring Texas. Uh, you know, like, oh, I really thought that Stephen DeKnight, professional wrestler who no one had ever heard of before, and he doesn't have a costume, I thought this was his day. Huh? You know he's not. You know what a jobber is. You are the the you were in charge of the Galactic Gaming Commission. Uh, Quit betting on the Washington Generals. Uh, uh, but yeah, we get a little bit of, you know, some threatening, some back and forth where, you know, he's like, look, if you keep fucking around like this and people notice some weird inconsistencies, ooh, you're going to have trouble. And she's right, like, and she's- oh, what, like Black Sun's going to show up? They're going to send a bunch of Vigos. 
Like, no, they'll send auditors. It's way worse. That's <laughs> true. Yeah, he he specifically does say like, uh, or, or she's like, oh, what what is Black Satin Sun gonna send a bunch of their Vigos? I'd like to see them try. So I have to assume this is a heavily defended super prison. Well, yeah. I mean, especially given that the whole prison is super modular, be like, ah, the Vigo showed up. All right, dump him in the pit. <laughs> oh, not Sprax. Aw, Sprax. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, and then when she when she calls out Black Sun as a potential threat, it obviously uneases uh, Dr- Dragomir Chloris, who's like, I've said too much already. And he's clearly l- glances over at someone who is watching from off screen. Yeah. To set up that there's an outside threat that we may not know about yet. Almost certainly Jabba. Probably Jabba Desilogic Tiure. Anyway, Cloris hangs up and right away we we, we get to meet our next person that she has to talk to. Thankfully, she barely talks to him at all. Yep, we get Vesto Sliffer from the Intergalactic Banking Clan. Amusingly, another moon. We're just getting lots of moon guys today. Yay, Mr. Moon. Mm-hmm. M-O-O-N. Uh, so so he moon. has made his... <laughs> he's made his way into the building to actually have a face-to-face conversation, which is impressive, to say the least. Oh, and yeah. he's dressed in the, the signatory gar- garb of a Palo Fiduciary, and he's I think he's actually a guy from the banking clan like we saw in the movie briefly. I don't know. I'm sure. If they gave his name, I'm sure if we go on Wikipedia or Wookiepedia, we could probably find out something about him. And in Actually, fact, I... if you go to patreon.com slash system mastery <laughs> and support us at the $2 level, you can find out if we do exactly that. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, if there's one thing I remember about Joe Schreiber books is that he doesn't borrow characters. Which Joe means Schreiber you go to the don't best... fuck around. Yeah, which I guarantee you, if you go to the Vesto Sliffer page, it's going to be a single sentence that'll say, like, Vesto Sliffer was a moon male who was the field analyst for the banking clan. But, but, uh, and because that's, that's the one risk to taking these Schreiber books. They're fucking fun to read. Don't get me wrong, but he does not give us any bonus content grift or grist. Uh, We're going to be reaching just like we had to all the way through Red Harvest. Uh, okay. So- now it's time for. I was going to say, it's time for Maul to, I don't know, just get worked up to be like, ooh, I want everyone to know that Maul's a badass. He gets one of those moments where he gets to walk into the mess hall and everyone's like, oh my god, it's him. Mm -hmm. He's going to find the biggest, strongest guy in the yard, beat the shit out of him. Well, not really, because it's the cafeteria. Yeah, he already killed the biggest guy in the prison. Uh, But yeah, he's like... We're, we're already getting the descriptions. He's walking around like a predator recently released from its cage. I do like, at least speaking of cages, the way that it works in this system for like this prison is just, hey, uh, for like 23 hours a day, you can do whatever the fuck you want. Go wherever you want. It doesn't matter. We don't give a shit. But at some point, an alarm is going to go off. And you have five minutes to get back to your cell, or we will suicide squad you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's basically an open <laughs> open office plan prison. But uh, you, the, your cell is your elevator to, to fights, and so at any time, they'll sound the klaxon and force you to fight. 
Yeah. And so when you get here, they're like, all right, we're going to inject you with two little bombs in your heart or hearts. a the bomb reason- per heart. Yeah. He has two hearts. Apparently that's a Zabrak thing. And they're like, great. If you don't make it back to your cell in five minutes, we blow the bombs. Yeah. Now he's not all that worried about it. Cause he's not here to socialize. Actually, he is here to do something. That's for sure. Yeah. But socialize. That isn't it. Because we don't know, has he actually been picked up, or is he here for a mission? It's a mission. It's a mission. It's definitely, we're going to find out during this chapter that it's a mission. Yeah. But right now, he's wandering around the cafeteria, getting scared looks and pissing people off and getting people to move away from him, and then he goes and sits at a table almost by himself. Uh, I want. I I think there's like a, a, a crappy human and a goat hall there. And then they, yeah, he scares them away. Being like, ah, we're arguing with each other. And then Maul sits down and they're like, goodbye. Yeah, no, we can't sit here. Whoop, 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 whoop. Yeah. So he establishes that he gets his own table because he's so much of a huge badass. And he's sitting there thinking about how everybody stinks and he can learn a lot from their important stinks. Oh, yeah. Here on and- the prison is Cog Hive 7. Yeah, that's right. We should probably should have said the name of the prison. That was during the last chapter. Cog Hive 7. Here on Cog Hive 7, it's no different than any other prison. I can make out what everyone's place is in this ecosystem by just watching them. Even though I think like half of all prisoners should die every day or something. But, you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I assume that they can't run that many gladiatorial fights to the death. Because they would be constantly, there'd be too much shuffle. They, they, it'd be, it has to be like a title card thing, where, where they only fight when they, you know, at, you have to make money on these fights, which means you have to wait a second for people who are betters to build up their capital again. Well, you also so. can't have it just be like, all right, here it is. We've got, you know, 700 fights for you to bet on tonight. Exactly. That's too much. There's got to be a title card and a couple of opening events, per probably per every evening or every other evening. Uh, if the although, big enough, they do get away say the evening. I mean, the way it works, they say that like the klaxons will go off and everyone needs to get to their prison cell or else they will die, which is that's true. Very weird. And I mean, I guess I understand as far as like, oh, uh, you know, this is to keep everyone on edge. You never know if you're going to fight or not. You have to constantly be worried about like. You know, when is the klaxon going to go off? When I get to my room, am am I just going to sit there or am I going to have to fight to the death? It's a good paranoia system. It's perfect for that. Uh, But now we have to cut back to his backstory, at least the backstory of what he's doing in the prison. Oh, yeah. Why has he been sent here? Yeah. Uh, He's been sent here by just this chapter. I thought this was now, but I think it might be a little later. Oh, it don't matter. Oh, you know what? It's now he's on. a. We, we cut to a prison ship and he's on his way here. And even on the prison ship, as all these people are being shipped off to Cog Hive 7, they're already getting in fights and murdering each other. Oh, yeah. And he is, of course, the, the super badass. And you can tell because he's sitting in a corner and he hasn't done anything yet. <laughs> you know, it's going to be good. So while yeah, everyone it- else on this prison transport ship is, you know, just raring to get into a fight and taking any wrong look or excuse to beat the shit out of each other. Maul just sits there completely stock still until someone bumps into him and then he breaks his ribs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a dude comes anywhere near him and he just paralyzes that dude immediately. He's already building a rep. 
Yeah. So this goes on. Uh, we basically established that, yeah, the prison ship, even let that leading here was scary. And a lot of people who were on the ship were already given up on life because, oh, boy, is it ever a fucked place they're going to. And then he meets, oh, yeah. uh, what's his name, Smite? Yeah, we the, get uh, a, the... a shitty little guard who's like, hey, buddy, you're you're in for a world of hurt now. You got that maggot? Yeah, yeah he's, he's like visibly scared already, but he's still trying the basic language of a prison guard. So he's like, you know why you're here, maggot? <laughs> yeah. And Maul, you know, doesn't. He, for all of his intensity and uh, and murderousness, Maul's not... He's a very direct individual. He's not just going to murder a random dude. Oh, unless, yeah, and he's here for he a is, mission. That's not going to help yeah. him. Yeah, so he's just, like, sitting very still as this guy's like, you know why you're here? Uh, yes. Okay, well, here's all the rules. Uh, okay. <laughs> like, he just doesn't... He's not all that mean to poor little Smite. Nope. But we find out all the rules as far as, like, you know, your cell can drop, like, the floor can drop out and we can dump people into a monster down below. Uh, the whole, there are lights on your cell and you need to get in when the klaxon goes off. You got mm -hmm. bombs in your heart. Uh, yeah, because this is the scene where we go to the med bay and he gets shot up with bombs. Yeah. Uh, Once he finds yeah, out I all the rules of being in prison, he's like, okay, sure. Yeah, uh, we're, we're we're meeting another guard here who I assume is going to matter later because I know this guy doesn't tend to leave a lot of characters on the ground. He was like some sort of med bay guard named Voistock. Yeah, Voistock has the absolute temerity to actually pat Maul on the cheek. <laughs> that guy's going to get murdered later. Oh, yeah, if a dude slaps you on the face like, hey, hey little sweet cheeks, ooh, Maul's going to kill that guy. Right. I did appreciate the bit when he gets into his cell and realizes that the bench slash bed that's in there has like hand like uh, grips kind of built into it from people grabbing onto it in the past. Well, there's the hand grips and they are smooth from how much the past prisoners grabbed on. And at first he's like, oh, it's because these guys were afraid and just holding on to this thing because they were scared. What a bunch of bitches. And then the floor opens up and he's like, oh, OK, now I get it. Yeah, yeah, it's specifically because people keep getting dropped out of the floor onto fight fields. And uh, so, but he's just like, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm just going to slide down and get in a fight. And that's when he gets punched in the face. And oh, no, we're right back to chapter one again. Uh, so that's pretty much the, yeah, I think that's the end of this chapter. It's just when he, no, he's it's not. He just gets dropped back into the beginning of chapter one. And then we get to the point where he realizes what his mission is. Cause he's sitting around in the, uh, in the mess hall again. And he's like, I'm here to find a, a, a arms dealer named Iram Radik. Yeah. Iram Radik is so secretive and nobody knows who it is, but it's said that he runs his whole business out of cog hive seven and, Nobody's ever seen him and nobody knows what his real name is and nobody knows how to get in touch with him. And how do you run a business like that? No one even knows if he's a prisoner. Like it, the the, uh, the thought is just that he like has found a way to establish a base in a prison where he like lives on the sidelines and is not actually a, a part of the gen pop. I mean, obviously, so because he's been running his business for as long as he has. 
you have to assume that either he is a special case prisoner that just never gets put into a death fight because he has a shit ton of money, or he's a guard, or he's a ridiculous badass that can get into a death fight and not die. Right. And so, basically, right away, knowing that that's his mission, Maul is already starting the process of trying to smoke out who that is. Yeah, we've got a couple different gangs that he's like, all right, I can already tell, like, who's the leader of this gang? Who's the leader of that gang? There's a badass Twi'lek over there who is sitting by himself and is basically doing what I'm doing and just sort of being a lone hard ass. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of people in here and I got to know who's what. There's visibly a couple of gangs in here. You can tell because there are a bunch of people who have like obvious gang markings of some variety. There's a there's a father and son combo in here where there's clearly a dude who's like a grizzled old veteran and his son who he is very protective of. There's a whole bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when he decides, okay, well, here's what I got to do. I got to shake this situation up somehow. So when he finishes eating, he goes into the prison kitchen. Yep. And no one really gives a shit. Again, this is a prison that I don't understand how the kitchen works. Because you're like, oh, you got 23 hours to wander around and do whatever you want. And what person is like, well, boy, I sure want to wash dishes or serve food to other inmates. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna venture a guess that that kind of shit is the sort of thing you do when you would not be a useful fighter. I mean, that or it's like, hey, if you pull kitchen duty, then for the duration, you don't have to fight. So people are like, oh, fuck, yes, I want kitchen duty. Yeah, you get to cling to life for just a little bit longer. So, th- I mean, that'd be my best guess, but definitely no one gives a shit if he goes into the prison. Oh, no. So he just walks right around everybody and lets himself into pri- into the prison. Um, kitchen. The kitchen. The prison kitchen. Thank you. Excuse me. Sorry. And uh, once he's in there, this is hilarious. Everyone's ignoring him because, you know, it, even, if, even if people weren't going to ignore him because he's... Uh, not supposed to be in there. He is a, a credibly dangerous looking badass, and so everyone's leaving him alone. But what's he do? He grabs a pressure cooker off a rack and makes a science fair volcano. Yes, indeed he does. <laughs> like it they they, they try to disguise uh, disguise this with uh <laughs> with like sci- Star Wars science fair words, but they're like he uses silicate of bicarbonate. And ammonium, and I'm like, yeah, okay, great. He uses vinegar and baking soda. Thanks. Yeah, an ammonia-based chap- cleaning solution. You're like, oh, we're I, in chapter four it. now. <laughs> At I this point, when when he is clearly making a science fair volcano, one person is like, "Hey, buddy, are you supposed to be in here?" And he's like, "Fuck you if you think I'm not. What do you want to do? Oh, you want some? You want a piece?" And he's like, "No. All right, fine. Fuck it. Do whatever. I don't give a shit." Yeah, uh, <laughs> so then he loads it onto a conveyor belt that goes through an auto cleaner, presumably to cause an explosion, because he's, you know, he puts it in a pressure cooker, so it's air sealed. Yep. Uh, and then he just goes back out and sits back down. And then it explodes and he gets first prize ribbon. Mm-hmm. Yay! Yay! You did way better than that kid, who that prisoner who built a model of the solar system. <laughs> He's like, this is Earth, and this is Venus, and everyone's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We're in the Star Wars universe. Where the fuck is that? What? The shit is fucking Jupiter. What is wrong with you? That's not on any of my star charts. That sounds like something that's going to happen a long time from now in a galaxy far away. 
Oh. So <laughs> he watches until the explosion goes off. And then, you know, justifiably, everyone gets terrified because it's a prison and an explosion just went off. And so they pair off into their respective gangs. And he watches as everybody reacts to the pr- to the explosion and how they do. Oh, the yeah. father I mean, guy immediately protects his son. Yeah, like the the two gangs immediately like jump together and you can see who's in charge by like who's the one sort of giving orders to the other ones. It's a neat trick to be like, all right, I want to see if something unexpected happens. How do people react? Yeah. Yeah, it's a classic role-playing game style maneuver where he's like, I'm going to do gather information on these fuckers and here's how I'm going to do it. And sure enough, he watches as everybody explodes off into their respective sides. Like, obviously, the two gangs know where to go stand. The people who aren't parts of the gangs react the way the way he would expect to. There is a single person in the entire uh, kitchen, or cafeteria, rather, who does not respond in any way. Oh, yeah. Doesn't even look up from his food. Mm-hmm. And this person is, oh boy, I am so happy because this is one of my favorite Star Wars species, a Chadra fan! Yay! As soon as they said there was some Chadra fan that didn't care, I was like, please, please let this be the world's most badass Chadra fan who's like, fuck you, buddy, I don't take guff from no one. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think he's a fighter. It looks like he's more of a fixer type Chadra fan, or at least someone who's a lifer and has been here for forever. Oh, yeah. Because as soon as he goes to talk to the guy, he's just like, "Uh, what? Oh, no, what you doing, I might? Yeah. And of course, he's like, wait, I thought you guys were all Cajun. (laughs) He's like, nah, not all of us. It's fucking racist, ain't it? (laughs) Well, sure, I got a brother what lives in a tree and talks Cajun talk all the time. Ain't for me. (laughs) Not for me. Learned how to talk in prison. Hey. Sort off, mate. You've not had my life. <laughs> you don't know my shoes. They're very small and cute. <laughs> and this is Coil, the Chadra fan for this book. Coil. Coil is great. He, uh, he, he's he got a very distinct way of speaking, and he already knew that, that Darth Maul did that. Oh, yeah. He's like, I saw you go into the kitchen and then come back out looking all proud of yourself. So, you know, mm-hmm. I figured it was you. You did that, didn't you? Obviously you did that. Clearly, isn't it? He's got this thing where he answer he asks question like confirmation questions at the end of all of his sentences. Now he saw you sleeping into the kitchen, didn't I? Already stared a yeah. pot a little. Yeah, so he's he's a great character, and Maul immediately is like, oh, perfect. Someone who's not afraid of me, not afraid of anything, really, and knows everything that's going on. This is the person I needed this is the reason I did that explosion. Oh, yeah, because now he can just be like, all right, cool. Tell me who these people are, because, you know, from this explosion, I've kind of sussed out who the movers and shakers are. So give me Mm -hmm. some info. Yeah. And Coil, um, amazingly, this book does not have a whole thing where Coil's like, oh, I got to get some for that, don't I? Here's the favor you got to do for me. I need the apple key. The giant has it. Uh, He's going to need you to give him a loaf of bread. Instead, it's just, oh, okay, sure, I'll tell you everybody in the in the building and what's going on. Let's do that. You seem like a badass, and it might be good to know you. Yeah, he's just like, all right, sure, why not? I'll tell you whatever the fuck you want to know. I don't care. Anyway, here's the two gang leaders. Uh, I, I don't remember their friggin' names. I don't think they matter. Um, no, we get the two gangs. We get the Twi'lek. Uh, the, the Bone Kings and good. Gravity Massive are the yeah, two the Bone crews. Kings and Grav- and we see that... One of them is led by a human. I want to say his nail head. Oh, yeah. The Bone Kings are a only human gang. 
Yes. Uh, so we got a human supremacist gang led by a, a human supremacist named Nailhead, and then the other gang is led by a Nogri? Yeah, which I mean, Nogris are known yes. to be badasses. Yeah, they're great. I mean, they're 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 little, but they're powerful. No getting around yeah. that. And I think he's got a Nelvanian sidekick, which is also a rad thing to have. Hell yeah, it is. That's those little rat dudes. And then at one point, they turn into uh, huge rat dudes in a cartoon. Oh. Different from other rat dudes. If you're thinking I'm talking about the rat dude from the cantina, I'm not. It's a different set of rat dudes. If you're thinking I'm talking about <laughs> Ratatouille, I am not. Nope, not Ratatouille. Uh, I'm also not talking about Tom and Jerry. There's a variety of potential rats. It's not It's not Ratigan, the world's greatest uh, rat villain who doesn't like to be called a rat. Yep. Nope. It's not uh, the rats of Nim either. Indeed not. Got a huge list of rats it isn't. And only one rat kind of thing it is. Uh. <laughs> and finally, he wants to know about that Twi'lek, who, who seems like an ultra lone wolf badass and no one wants to get involved with him. And he turns out to just be a guy named Zero. He got no name, doesn't he? Not one I heard. Yeah. We just call him Zero, don't we? Yeah. So Zero is presumably some sort of, of other local badass. Uh, I'm guessing at the moment that's probably Maul's number one consideration for either being... Uh, Iram Radik or being able to connect to Iram Radik. Oh, yeah, because Coyle lets him know, like, oh, this is just, like, a guy who has been here forever. He -hmm. knows how to get items, influence, and information. He -hmm. is the the guy to know for whatever you want. He's the Morgan Freeman. Yeah. He's the guy that everyone needs to go to to get stuff. Yeah, he's the only he's got outside connections somehow and he's the fixer and the knower and the doer and uh he stands alone and no one will mess with him because no one wants to break the prison ecosystem. Oh yeah. And because he's been there forever everyone's like, "Yeah, I'm not going to fuck with this guy. He's always been here. He knows how to get stuff and he will get me things I need. He's just sort yeah. of useful." And notably, what that means is that he is not completely inaccessible. He can't be completely inaccessible because his whole point is to be accessible. Oh, yeah. So, you know, Coyle lets him know, oh, there's uh, one place in this prison that he goes to for meetings. So Mm -hmm. he goes to the Ventilation Conduit 11AZR, and that's where he'll get visitors and he can, you know, take requests. Mm -hmm. And that is more or less, I I believe... That that's Maul's big time. He's already like, okay, perfect. Then I'm gonna go there and talk to him. And even halfway through, Maul's like, is it 11 AZR? Oh, that's right, isn't it? It's 11 AZR. Is and then Maul's no, already gonna tell you something about. The- oh, you're already gone. <laughs> oh, poor- I-, I sure hope Coyle survives the book because I already like him a great deal. Coyle's great. I love him, and I just I want to see a fight where he absolutely murders some fool. Oh, yo, dude, if he gets to do a fight, that'd be fantastic. Oh, I want I just want a little Chadra fan badass. <laughs> I want it to turn out that he's the only person in the prison who's allowed to have a gun. Ah. They just drop him, and there's a Rancor or something on the other side. He's like, oh, you? It just shoots him. Uh, Yeah, if you're small enough, you get a weapon. <laughs> that Nogri's going to be a fucking terror then. Oh, yeah. They're about Chadra fan size. But they're but so they already mean. fucked shit up on there. <laughs> and that's the end of chapter four. That's pretty much where it is. We've already got Maul stomping off to go meet Zero in Conduit 11 AZR. And uh, it, it just 
com- immediately comes to a halt at that point. I'm really excited about this. Oh, We've yeah. already set a bunch of stakes, and it's just gonna you know it's just gonna be a bunch of fucking nasty prison fights. Yeah, I mean, at this point, we have one of those. I've got to figure out who this mystery person is. Mysteries going on, but we also have the whole prison fighting system, the back background gambling thing. Like, mm-hmm. it's a this would make. So far in these first four chapters, I don't know that I will change my opinion, but so far, this would be a cool little movie. I would figure it would make a pretty good show. Like, I could see Coghive 7 being a show, and it stars, I, I don't know, Ray Park as Darth Maul. I'm, I'm sure he's probably too old for it now, but but uh, that that exact sort of thing where it's just Darth Maul and it's a 10-episode it's a miniseries of him fucking up a prison system, because it does have a lot of good natural chapter endpoints. Mm-hmm. So that's just that's just where I'm coming from on it. But yeah, I could also see it making a pretty good movie. Just a full-on Darth Maul story, uh, watching him do what Darth Maul does best, which is murder dudes. Hell yeah. That's all anybody wants. Yeah. Sadly, Darth Maul's never been allowed to do what he does best in a movie. Nope. All he's ever done is just get killed. Well, and he then did kill one, one time, guy. Uh, yeah, I guess that's true. He did, get, he, he did manage to kill Qui-Gon. Good for him. Oh, spoilers, I guess. Spoilers for the Phantom Menace. <laughs> he also calls himself the Phantom Menace in the movie. That's another spoiler for the Phantom Menace. Yeah. You should bring up someone else's joke again. <laughs> it's a good joke. I figured it was a good... I just saw that joke yesterday, and I was like, oh, shit, I'm about to talk to about about Darth Maul. I'm excited for this. I'm so excited. <laughs> anyway, I think we've, we're, uh, we're done with the episode. That was the whole thing. Yes, indeedy. But that's not all. No, we've got so much more coming. Uh, this book has a ridiculous 67 chapters, so we're going to be reading them four, then five, then four, then five. So uh, next time, if you're reading along with us, we're going to be doing five chapters. But also, we will be going over to Patreon to make our bonus content for the show, same as we always do, where we go to Wikipedia, we find crazy stories about Star Wars, and we come back and tell them to you. And yeah. here's a here's a fun story. Uh, by the time this episode releases, I do not know what level that will be at. Ah. It'll either be at the two or the four dollar level because we're switching from from uh, from per episode to per month, uh, and so we know that 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 uh, workaround is coming up real soon, but uh, it hasn't quite happened yet. So for the moment, at least, it's at the two dollar level. You unlock the the expanded expounded universe where we find dumb Star Wars shit and we tell each other all about it. That's true. We do. That's over. We it. do that. That's over it patreon.com slash system mastery is where we do that and then we've got a bunch of other shit you can unlock there too there's a one dollar level podcast and there's a five dollar levels there's like three of them that's right so So much content a goddamn grip of it just an endless cavalcade of content aid and it can be yours for the low low price of various small prices indeed but for this one it's two bucks so why not go over there kick over your two bucks and listen to us talk about the weirdest shit that star wars has to offer hell yeah All right, I think that's just about it for us this week. John, you got anything else you want to throw in there before I close it down? Nope. Well, then I've been Elan Sleesbogiano. Ain't I? Love destics, don't I? (laughs) 